Welcome to Ed Leaders, the podcast covering all the interesting ideas about leadership, strategy, culture, and the business of K-12 education. I'm your host, Luke Callier, and joining me each week in the chair is my co-host and colleague, Matthew Irving. So without further ado, let's get to it. All right, Matt. Good morning, mate. How are you? I'm well, sir. How are you? Good. So we had a challenge last week. We certainly did have a challenge. And it was about our two learn lists. So I thought we'd talk a little bit about the process of, uh, of coming up with our two learn lists and uh, how you found that. And then we'll uh, maybe dive into a few of them. Uh, I know that I think we both ended up with a few on our list, which is a good thing, I think. Absolutely. Uh, but maybe we might not get to them all. So we'll see how we go. So I guess to start the to, to learn list, I thought it was a really interesting process because often we ask our students to, um, I guess, capture their goals, the things that they want to get after. Um, and we often do that with our employees. What are the things that you want to chase? Um, but to, the to learn list is much more complex. Um, it goes much deeper to, I guess, those surface things um, that we want to get about in terms of our, our normal day-to-day jobs or our own personal lives beyond, you know, fitness and beyond you know, life balance and beyond, you know, getting better at curriculum and developing assessment. I found this absolutely fascinating. And I found myself um, kind of in this haze, this haze of what do I actually need to know as a leader? Um, Where are my deficiencies? Um, Versus actually intrinsically, what do I really want to get after? Um, And I found that really, really challenging. So, you know, there's no objective here that's going to be measured by someone else. This is purely driven by me. Uh, I found this really, really challenging. Um, so I'd be interested, what, what were your thoughts and processes as you were going through your to-learn list? I think for me, it took me a little while to get kind of into the flow of, like, my thinking into that right headspace for this. I think I started out really, like, thinking about transactional skills that I wanted to learn. Like, I want to learn X better. Um, and then it took me a while to elevate that to kind of be a bit more reflective about, okay, where are some of the deficiencies that I have? What are the things I'm actually really interested in right now? Because I don't think I often spend a lot of time, yeah, like you go from your day to day, but like, where are my interests right now? Like, where, what do I really want to kind of, you know, expand my horizon on? Um, and so I found that it took me a while to get into that. But then as I started getting more into that flow, I was like, yeah, I want to learn this and I want to learn that and I want to learn this. And I'm like, and then I, it started just flowing for me, but it took me a little while to kind of get to it. So it kind of took this moment of that kind of superficial transactional stuff sort of ticking a box to actually delving deeply in, in a moment of reflection, which we don't often carve out time for. And I guess sort of building upon that, that idea of flow that you were talking about, I kind of found myself going into not necessarily transactions, but I guess aspirations of being a particular way, seeing a particular way, engaging with others in a particular way. So it moved very quickly from those transactional ticker boxes to more about who am I as a person and the identity that I would like to to, to work towards as a leader. So it sounds like we've got some similarities there. Yeah, and I think that that's really really challenging to get get your thought pattern around what do you want to be versus the skills, you know? And I think that's probably quite, it's a challenge to kind of shift that mindset, I think, sometimes. Yeah, and I think it's because it's, that's the easy thing to do. Yes, yeah. That's, and that's how I started off. Oh, this is easy there. About getting to that next part was a bit more challenging. Yeah, I guess I was really disappointed. You know, I, I wanted to start with, you know, playing cricket for the Australian cricket team. <laughs> I had, you know, um, you know, 
perhaps growing a little taller for those people out there. I'm not the tallest guy uh, going around, um, you know, uh, you know, running a marathon. There's just things that just, you know, come on, Matt, let's dream less. But uh, oh, you're a funny man. But take the time to, to think deeply and, and reflective in this space, not only as a person, but as a leader, um, was an absolutely um, quite a fulfilling and rewarding um, experience to, to go through. And what will be so interesting for us as we continue our, our podcasts and we reflect on our journeys as leaders um, how we come back to those things. How do we measure those things? Um, what, what's the evidence that we would point to that we are developing uh, as leaders, but also as people? Couldn't agree more. All right, let's get to a couple of them. Uh, you want to kick us off with uh, one of yours to start with? Okay, really happy to, to, to kick off. And it'll be just fascinating to see um, what, what uh, we sort of connect on here. Um, I, I guess I'll start at a lower level. I guess one of the things in a, in a, in a tech information age um, is finding out what's worth reading. And for me, you know, we, are, we consume so much now in our social media streams and like, you know, like me, Luke, you've got multiple feeds coming in to your inbox um, and we're just surrounded with so much content. So how do we find the good stuff? And there's two other questions for me that I was really, really thinking about is, well, how do we find the stuff that reads that brings value? And then how does that then transfer? So what might we do with that? Um, and, you know, having worked for a previous leader who used to, you know, they sort of print things off and copy magazines and throw articles on your table, there was always that sense of value. This is worth reading. I want you to read this and then I want you to apply it to your, your position. Um, so for me, that would be one of the things that, that came to mind pretty quickly um, with so much going on. Um, I'm happy to keep going. One of mine was the, almost exactly the same. I had... Um, what newsletters or subscriptions should I be reading where there's always value? And it's a, it's a pretty similar kind of, you know, to learn, like, but how do I learn which ones I should be reading? Unless you, like, through recommendations, you know, like you have your people that you follow on LinkedIn and, you know, on other, other channels and educational kind of newsletters and things like that. But, you know, sometimes I pick up some of these, you know, some of these magazines or whatever, and it's like, man, that was you know, like 10 minutes that I've flicked through this magazine and not one thing has interested me in it. And so I guess for me, it was around learning uh, from from other leaders about what are they reading uh, and a bit around kind of like that. I think another one that I had is around just kind of content that's kind of expanding my thoughts, the knowledge, you know, that's left field to the normal stuff that I read, kind of like brain food, I, I guess you'd call it like that kind of like that thirst for interesting valuable information that may or may not be related to education, but things that I kind of like, oh man, that's expanding my kind of horizon. It's allowing me to join more dots, kind of, you know, pull things from different areas of the world and through life and kind of go, how could this be applied in other ways in my life or in what I do for work? What's interesting about what you're saying there is just not necessarily hunting the stuff that you know that you'll identify with and you will connect with, but actually looking for stuff that will expand your thinking, take you away from your, your own biases and your own lens, and then looking at, okay, what's that value then? Um, and how do I apply that to my own context? Because I think we're really good at chasing um, the stuff that we just like chasing and, and the stuff that we like reading. Yep, yeah, yeah. I agree with that. And it's, yeah. you know, politically, yes, I'm aligned to that. And from a values perspective, yeah. I'm, about, I'm aligned to that. But actually finding that stuff that really makes you think uh, certainly is a challenge that I think we can learn to do better. Yep, yep absolutely. 
Um, the other one I had um, for me, you know, we've been talking a lot um, in some of our, our podcasts uh, about the those kind of traits of an effective leader. We've talked about this concept of presence. And for me, you know, I, I've never heard a community or a parent say that particular leader is present enough. They've never said that's enough. They love to see their leaders out and about. And we know that that's an effective part of leadership. But when is it enough? And, and I guess I want to learn... When, when's it most efficient? When's it most effective? Um, when does it um, translate into people going, wow, this person's up and about and they're connected and etc." When is it actually enough? Uh, that's something I want to learn more about. I, I, um, I know for myself, it's something that I need to work out. It's not something that's, that's you know, something that I sort of find it as sort of a default. I, I'll, I guess I'm present and around the kids and other leaders, etc. Um, but I see other leaders just going well, well beyond. But when's it enough? And, and will it ever be enough? Um, I just think it's an interesting notion we've been talking about. Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. I think that, that you know, for me, I've seen a couple of uh, principles and um, you kind of look at them and you go, man, it's so much energy. You see them everywhere all the time. And yeah, absolutely. You know, it's really fascinating around where's the real value in which, at which time to be present and not just be present for the sake of being present. And I think that's probably maybe where you're getting at a little bit, that struggle of, you know, I feel like I need to be everywhere all the time, but not every time you're somewhere is it going to be valuable. Yep. And getting to that, uh, is this purposeful? Yep. Is this meaningful? Or is this a word that we've already used in our, our, our discussion today? Is it just transactional? Um, so I'd love to explore that more and learn more about that. Just on that, like, I guess... Is it just other people have been in the shoes that you kind of need to learn that from, do you think? Or can it be other leaders of corporate world? Oh, I think absolutely. I think it's, it's, it can be learned from a, a range of different contexts. I guess one of my, my reflections is I'd love to, to hear that from parents mm. and students and what's their perspective of the leaders in their schools. Yeah, we don't often ask it, do we? We do we not. don't ask that. No. Um, and they'll be the, they're the first ones to make judgments in this space. Yeah. Why is that? What are they looking for? Yeah. Um, so it's something I want to learn. Yeah, there's, I don't think I've read any books on that, that's for sure. Absolutely. Sure seen any. Yeah. All right. Um, the next thing I had um, was really around um, interactive podcasts. So I've been reading recently about this interactive podcast called Solve. And the idea of it is that it's some uh, real world crimes. You listen to the podcast and there's other clues that you may have to, I think, essentially find on the internet through social channels, what whatnot. Uh, and then throughout the podcast, you try and solve these crimes. And I was kind of like thinking about that, just going, there's not many people playing in that space. No. And I was kind of thinking to myself, how could you apply that to an educational sense? I was thinking as well on top of that, and I don't know if I've got this on, you know, but on top of this, but kind of like learning about how as adults, we tend to learn as professionals from reading what I learned from reading and listening to podcasts. They're the two mainstream areas. We tend to learn uh, watching only when we pay to go to like, whether it's a webinar in this situation or a conference, but yet as students, we kind of, almost enforce that almost most learning we think is going to happen when they're watching a teacher. Yep. So I found that interesting and I'd probably like to learn a bit more about that, but I'd also, I guess, like to learn more about 
you know, how could, how could interactive podcasts, not just a one-way podcast, be applied in more situations? Yeah, I think it's this concept of doing. Mm. So rather than being a passive um, consumer, mm. he's actually engaging in the experience and there's an element of doing mm. um, that, that builds that repertoire and, and thinking and, and the like. So I think that's really interesting. And I Which think radio and television has never really been. No. So I, that's fascinating. Uh, yeah. And maybe also leads into this idea of gamification as well, mm. uh, of experience and then what does that look like in a school and in, in a classroom and the like. Um, you know, because we are, we're moving from this kind of, this notion that the teacher is all-knowing mm. and we are moving to teacher as facilitator and, and mentor. Um, That's confronting for some teachers, absolutely. I think. But... Well, you're deprivatizing a whole lot of things here. That's really fascinating. Mm. Something for us to, to yeah. explore further. Yep. So going back to my list, um, one of the things um, I've got in here and probably... It, uh, it probably has a couple of, of different lenses to it, is this idea of the multiple identities that we play. Now, both of you, both of us, sorry, uh, are leaders. Both of us work in schools. Both of us um, uh, have kids, uh, our own families, etc. And we wear multiple hats. And wearing multiple hats, we give of ourselves to a lot of people. And we give of ourselves... Uh, in our work and encouraging others and coaching and, and, and obviously to our kids and, and, and our, our spouses. But when do we need to make sure we're receiving as well? Mm-hmm. And, and I guess part of that is protecting not only ourselves but the others around us. Um, and it's you know, something that, that keeps coming back for me. You know, we talk about balance. Well, really, is there a balance here? But how do you know that you are giving the right amount to your loved ones? How do you ensure that you're cherishing the ones that you love, but getting after the good stuff at work, but also ensuring that actually there are some things that you need to take care of yourself. Um, And it's that constant sort of constant battle. I want to learn more about that. Yeah, I think that we all struggle with that. You know, like it's a a personal struggle that um, as I think as you get older with family and more commitments that you tend to realize that, okay, there's trade-offs. And how do we balance those trade-offs and be able to live with them and be happy with them and not have any regret? And other people around us understand what those trade-offs are. Mm. Like, are they in that, in that journey with us? Are they, do no. they understand why? Do they, do they also equally give of themselves yeah. so that we might be able to get after the things that we want to? Yeah, so I guess what you're saying there is more around learning around not necessarily how to split the time, be okay with the way you split the time. Yeah, that's a really good way of of paraphrasing. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting thing for us all to to be able to learn more about. Okay, the next one I had was a similar one to the the newsletter one, but really around what groups do I want to be a part of, you know, and and finding more people, learning more about the people that I want to be surrounded by more often. Um, You know, do those groups exist? Do I need to create them? You know, how do I create them? You know, so I'd like to learn more about just kind of, it's not really networking because I'm not talking about, you know, like a meeting someone at a conference as a one-off and connecting with them on LinkedIn. And, you know, like it's a, for me, that's quite a superficial, like, like how many people do you know kind of thing. I'm talking more around, you know, the five to eight to 10 people that 
that I, I would like to be surrounded with on a regular basis that can challenge me to be better. Yeah. You know, like better, whether that's a better, you know, in my, in my current role or in other areas of my life, but just challenge it. Like people that will challenge you who you respect their opinion of. Yeah. And it's funny you've, you've said that because I've got on my list um, the power of mentoring mm. and that the power of, of having someone outside your organization, someone who challenges your ideas and someone that, that helps you in that journey. Um, and in many ways, um, they're the doing part of your learning list because they'll help you navigate the things that you want to get after um, and challenge your thinking and the like. Um, so I think in order to get your learn list going, um, you don't have to do it yourself. Mm. Um, and, I, and I think that the power of mentoring, the coach and a network uh, is essential for you to be able to start um, you know, actioning your, your to learn list. So it's interesting that you had that on there. Yeah, and I think I've, I've you know, dabbled with mentorship before and, and I think the thing that I've struggled with in working with a mentor is kind of finding the right connection. Absolutely. And I think that's, I guess, a little bit about what I'm saying here around groups, but the connection with the right type of people not just a, you know, like a, again, like a superficial Q&A around no, no, no. How's, your, how's your life, what are you doing, where are you going, like deeper. Yeah, and I think before you, you jump into that, you need to ensure that you have that values alignment. But the things I think you're starting to get at is you want to know that you're going to be intellectually challenged. Yeah, and inspired. And inspired. Inspired, um, yeah. And excited. Yeah. And actually go, I cannot wait for that session I'm going to have Absolutely. that on Thursday. Yeah. And, or that group of people, yeah. like once a month, whatever it is, you know, like that, you know, that's a thing on your calendar that you kind of go, I can't, like I'm looking forward I to that. I cannot wait to get yeah. there. And actually I know that'll be the thing that then allows me to do my work for the next four months. Yeah. Because it, it gives me such fulfillment. Yeah. 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 More of that, please. Okay. I want to learn more about that. All right. Um, in my, my, my next on my list um, is, is probably something to get a little bit um, more sort of focused in on me. Uh, and the work that I do. And I, I've talked about this, this idea of emotional filters, but um, the concept of chaos to order, particularly the decision-making that one needs to do in a crisis. And so, um, and sometimes the crisis requires you to play a long game. Um, now, you know me, uh, I do things quickly. I want to solve it there and then. I want to be the fix-it guy. Um, and, and I guess I'm also a, a person that feels things deeply. I'm a quite emotional guy and... You know, people know how I'm doing. You know, I wear my heart on, on my sleeve. But to see the leaders um, I've seen in action where they've got these amazing filters, they can filter all that emotion, put it to one side and just deal with what's in front of them methodically, step by step, and, and, and you know the outcome is just going to be perfect and there's not going to be a big fallout. I've seen this time and time again, it, it, as, as early as last week on a major issue, and I went, I've got to learn that stuff. Because that is not that's not what I'm great at. Yeah. Um, how do you to bring sort of chaos um, to some level of order with the right filters and to to put your own emotional responses to one side, to put your own bias to one side, um, to put any prejudgment to one side. Man, I'd love to learn a little bit more about that. Yeah, I, I know exactly what you're saying there. You know, I've seen those people who are methodical who, you know, let the steam come off situations, you know, like whether they have a framework or not, I think it's, yeah, some really interesting things to be able to learn how to play more in that space. And and for me, the challenge has always been like thinking that you've handled a meeting well or as well as you could at the time. 
but then reflecting on it and not being able to let go of it. Yes. And like, yes, for the next whatever or all weekend, you're thinking about something that's happened and you're like, you know, you, there's no more you can do about the situation. Yeah. But having a framework to be able to, to let yeah, go of it. Yeah, to that, to not hold that emotion and to mm. hold that situation and feel it so deeply that you can't disconnect from it. Yep. Um, and we're not saying that we need to be, um, you know, um, completely, you know, not empathetic to yeah, the yeah. situation. But, yeah. but as you as you become a leader and you go further up the chain, more and more things are going to hit your desk yep. and you can't hold all that. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's something that, you know, I don't know when the last time you had that in a leadership course that you went to, mm. um, but certainly our experience says there's something that we need to work on. Mm. Uh, next one I had was um, around really the hacks of highly effective people. So for me, that's kind of like, I'd like to learn more about people that I, again, probably respect or, you know, see kind of through channels that I follow. Just, you know, learn about a few of their, you know, simple hacks that they have in life where it just makes them more effective. Um, You know, um, and I think it's really something that I've just probably become more interested in the last probably three to five months, I reckon, around just can I get after more? And what are the people who are getting after more? What are they doing? You know, so that's, that's probably something that I'd like to learn more about. I guess that's, that's is an interesting one um, because there are a lot of people that we admire. We look at them and go, man, that's, mm. that's something I want to get after. Um, how are they being so efficient? And mm. um, you know, I guess in my reflections... I, I keep thinking about what's the extra 5%? Mm. What's the extra 10% in terms of being that effective leader? Uh, is it capacity or is, or is it capability? Mm. Um, and so I guess I'm like you over these recent months thinking a little bit about that. Is it that they, they've got the capacity um, to easily chase that 5% and there's, you know, they've got a greater repertoire? Um, or do they have the capability or not? to actually do that. Is that a growth area? Can that, that's something that you can develop over time. Um, so the jury's out for me, but I, that's something I'd love to, to keep talking about. You know, what are those hacks for those effective leaders? How do they get that extra 5, 10, 15%? Yeah. How much of it's innate? How much of it's learned? Um, you know, how much, yeah, already exists, but how much um, can be developed? Uh, I think that'd be really interesting to explore. Yeah, and, it's, and for me, it's not about applying every single one of them, obviously, but it's about, you know, like going, what resonates with me? What could I then apply in my own life? And then kind of reflect on that and say, did it make a difference? Am I either a happier person or a more content person or a more challenged person than I was? Is there a bit about influence there too? Uh, as in my own influence yeah. or their influence? Your influence as a, as a more effective leader? Uh, probably, like, I wasn't coming at it from that angle, I don't okay. think. More a, more a case of, you know, like, what what things could I be doing on a in a routine-ishly day yes. that makes me, you know, like, have better focus, you yep. know, like, get more out of my day. When I say get more out of my day, I don't necessarily mean do more. No. I mean get to the end of the day and feel more fulfilled or... Yep have enjoyed it more. Or, so there's a you know, contentment piece that's built yeah. upon the, the impact that you've had. Yeah. Rather than, you know, just doing more stuff. And says, yes, I've ticked lots of boxes today. That's right. That's, 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 that's what, what I'm getting saying. at. That's yeah. what I'm getting at. Yeah, not just okay. that I've ticked more things. No, it's like I'll come home and I've gone, I've done X, Y, Z today and feel really good about it. But 
maybe I'm getting to that point more often because of this range of things, yeah, these yeah. hacks that I'm doing. And I, that's probably more what I'm looking okay, at yeah. in terms of the highly effective people that I admire. Okay. I guess, and I guess a nice segue into it to one of my other areas for, for, for my learn list is stepping in or stepping out. And so from stepping in to be the fix-it guy to stepping out and being the empowering guy. <laughs> and so, you know, I think, um, you know... Is that because you've got a bias to play in one space? Completely a bias. <laughs> um, you know, I have a, a disposition to be the consultant, to be the teller, to be the fix-it. I, I can see the play. I can do this really quickly. Um, but I'm highly, highly aware that actually if we're going to be better as an organisation and if I'm truly going to bring value to leadership development and the growth of others, I've got to be the empowering guy. It doesn't need to be all the time, but I need to know when to be the empowering guy. Now, I have to work at it um, because it's not my natural disposition, um, but I've seen the benefits from it. Mm. I've, seen, I've seen empowerment take people from you know, that C grade to an A grade uh, in terms of their leadership and their confidence and their ability to deliver projects and the like. Um, and it's something that, that I don't necessarily see as a, as a quick fix, that I need to be committed to continuing to learn, to know when to step in and step out. Be really interested in, in your thoughts around that. Yeah, I guess, you know, where I was going in my head when you were talking about that was really around, you know, the right people. You know, like, if you... For me, I was thinking about if you have the right people with the right values fit and the right roles at the right time in their life, then the empowering bit becomes easier. Um, you know, and I think, you know, like when when in some roles you do have the ability to choose that team in other roles you inherit a team um and in either one of those cases do you get the fit right at the right time and therefore can you empower or do you have to manage in a small kind of micro way yeah i think for me is kind of where i'm thinking around and is that kind of where you yeah like absolutely. Come from a little bit there? Yeah, and I think that's interesting because you even if you just pick up that last piece around time efficiencies, you know I know what's more time efficient: <laughs> do this, do this, do this, do this. Uh, what takes more time? Okay, what might you do? How might we shape this? What tactics might you 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 know etc. Some of those are micro, some of those are, are short, sharp. Some take forever. Um, so there's an investment piece here too. Yeah, and the capacity of of your team, I think is, is another part, but I think, you know, like I, I reflect back on some of the leaders that I've really admired and I absolutely recollect them saying those exact things that you're talking about, you know, how might you go about this? You know, what plan are you going to put in place? Not like come to me with a half baked idea or, you know, like some, you know, question for me to solve. How do you want to do it? even though they may well have known at the time when I reflect on it exactly what I should be doing and may have shaped that conversation yeah, that's right. in that way without me even knowing, yeah. um, you know, as I've gotten to be a more experienced leader, yeah. I think you start to realise that. But again, I'm kind of more interested in like, like, how do you think you can learn to do that better? I think there's a piece obviously around experience and the more that, that, that you're in that. Um, self-awareness yeah well, I think it, yeah, was, that's exactly where I was going I mean yeah. this is a really an EQ piece there's a self-awareness piece there's a social awareness piece yeah. as well and and seeing what's in front of you and responding accordingly 
Um, and so I don't think there's any sort of ticker box here, um, but it's, it's being aware of your own bias to want to jump in, uh, refrain, to put one side, mm. <laughs> there's things that we're talking about, um, but also getting better at assessing the situation, the context, because there will be some times where, you know, you actually just need to tell because we're in a crisis yeah. and there'll be other times where it isn't a growth opportunity. So it's about the discernment piece. Um, context. So, yeah, I think discernment's probably the thing that, yeah. that um, you work on and, and experience as part of that. Yep. Uh, another area that I kind of, I guess, wanted to kind of, I guess, explore a little more is micro-credentialing. Um, and I kind of feel like this has become a bit of a, you know, a bit of a buzz thing in the last six months and I've kind of lightly read on it a little bit, but the conceptual kind of nature of, you know, like, Historically, we've studied for an extended period of time and we get one big certificate at the end of it that says we have these range of things that we can, well, that, that we are. You know, we're badged with a, a certificate of education or a bachelor from this school or that university. Um, this idea of kind of micro-credentialing and, and having an understanding of how, you know, smaller level skills could be, batched together for this and I think that's a really interesting space particularly for education in terms of you know like the later years of a K-12 education um, but also kind of I guess beyond K-12 education in terms of you know between 18 and 22 and beyond um, you know how do we really measure skills on a on a more fundamental level yeah it's a really interesting one that um believe it or not, it's reflected in my to-learn list as well. Um, and one of the things, you know, I guess in the conversation around micro-credentialing, we are talking about ways of thinking and ways of doing. Um, and is that any more valuable um, or less valuable than the traditional notion of going through a K-12 experience, getting to the end, doing your, you know, an ATAR pathway or vocational pathway, whatever it is, to get that big certificate. So apparently you're now ready to enter the world, like you're now ready to go to university. Um, and I guess the way I framed it is quantifying and qualifying a new endpoint to schooling. You know, is there something coming? I mean, we've, I don't know about you, but every commentary I'm reading at the moment is this reimagining of, of that, the education system and that endpoint. But I think deep down we know that there needs to be some form of, um, you know, qualification um, to say you're now ready. So what does that look but like? But why couldn't it be 10 different qualifications That's right. and those 10 different qualifications look different for 10 different kids? That's right. So does it have, it's not necessarily a one system sort of or one process fits all. Uh, and that's where I get excited about the idea of micro-credentialing um, because you're matching not only a kid's passion with their strength and the things that they want to get after, but there are, I think, multiple ways of demonstrating they are ready for what's next uh, beyond doing a three-hour exam in modern history. Or that they've turned 17 or 18 or whatever age is appropriate for year 12. And what? And apparently they're now, you know, ready to, to enter into the, into the world beyond the, the school gates. And I think you and I have had this discussion before, you know, the concept of stage, not age. And there are kids that are ready and mature and they know where they want to go and they've got the right networks around them, whereas others don't have the same support, therefore potentially they don't have the same direction. Um, and it may take them a little bit longer to get there. Um, so are we looking at a, an education system that will become more fluid? Will the, the, the connections between schools and universities and TAFEs become just more, more fluid? Uh, and certainly what the universities are doing at the moment 
uh, have certainly pushing us towards a more fluid approach. Um, but as schools, I don't think we've worked that out yet. What does that mean for us? Um, and micro-credentialing could be just that thing. Yeah, and I think that probably, I mean, just to come back to a couple of those things that you've said there, I think I, I talked about another one of my areas to learn was around stage, not age, uh, more around that and co-creation of learning as, a, as an interest area of mine. And another thing that you just touched on there recently was you know, looking at a website. I think it's an organisation called Learning Creates Australia. And they're really starting to look into the measures of success and how we need to recraft it and potentially maybe we get someone from their uh, organisation on the show at some point. Yeah, it would be yeah, really interesting. Really worth doing. Maybe one more each, Matt. Okay, I think um, as we as we, we're sort of broadening <laughs> our, our lens at the moment, probably that last big one for me, and, and I won't go to a personal one, I'll go to something sort of bigger, for me is futurist thinking and been really reflecting a lot um, you know, as a strategist, we move. We often um, move into spaces where we just collect a bunch of ideas, and it's just the next idea. And so there's this deep connection to ideas and strategies. You know, only really one, two, three years ahead, but it's the culmination of what's happening now and this sort of slow evolution. And so we go sort of just step by step by step. And I think some the things that we're doing in schools aren't new ideas. They're not those really futurist five, 10 years out kind of ideas. And so how do we create this, this, this mindset of throwing out all the ideas and starting again and really having a really big focus on futurist thinking, which is way into the future rather than this kind of iterative approach to, to futurist thinking, which I see in schools, particularly around the way we connect ideas. I guess I really want to challenge myself around that because I'm really good at joining dots and those connections and what's next, but I don't, I don't think I do the 5, 10, 15, 20 year piece as well. And, and are we missing out on some opportunities or robust debate, um, different types of thinking? I don't know, something I think is worth looking at. Yeah, I think, um, you know, for me, what I, what I hear kind of getting out there is that 10 to 20 year piece, you know, like strategic plans and, you know, planning for schools usually goes three to five years in advance, but how do you think about how the world might be in kind of 20 years' time and therefore what education might look like within it? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, that's, that's something I think is worth spending some time and I guess connected to that um, is the notion of what will a great school look like in mm. 20 years' time. Mm. I think we know what good schools look like, mm. but can we flip it to what will a great school look like? How do we really um, push ourselves in our thinking and our divergence uh, thinking to, to a, a very different uh, different space. For me, I want to, like, when you're talking about that, I want to kind of go and go, what if I was a leader in the year 2000? What if I was a leader in 1980 in education? What would I have considered to be the new norm in 20 or 40 years' time from that point? And I kind of go... I don't think you could ever really have imagined that mobile phones would be in every single student's pocket. But have we embraced that in education? Yeah. I don't know. You know, not, maybe not well enough. I don't, you know, for the, for the level of sophistication of that technology, maybe, maybe not. Laptops on every single desk, maybe in 2000 you would have definitely thought that. Yeah. Not so much in 1980. So how do you kind of... So there's, a, there's a retrograde piece here about looking backwards 
and talking with those leaders. And, mm. you know, as you were just sort of talking, I remember a maths teacher of mine in 1995 predicts that everyone would have a smartphone. Mm. And in 1995, he said, don't buy a laptop. And he said, don't bother buying a mobile phone just yet. Because we were all just getting started, yeah. get excited about it. So he says, don't bother. Yeah. He said, just wait. Um, and who would have known that, you know, 20, 20 mm. years later, um, you know, you know, we're, we're moving well, to that space. The internet would be what it is. Yeah. <laughs> the internet is everything almost these days. All right. Uh, the last one I had, uh, well, it's not the last one. We've still got quite a few more on our list that we probably haven't got to today and maybe we'll come back to them in a future episode. But the one I probably want to learn more about is kind of private organisations in education. Kind of, you know, like there's a, there's a few big players in Europe and the States and in other places that do a lot in K-12 education in a kind of, form of a for-profit kind of enterprise don't see it in Australia um, you know and I'd kind of like to learn more about that model of education similar to another you know one of my experiences around you know how do you as a organization that might be for-profit in K-12 ed- education decide like you know what sort of profit level percentage is acceptable what's not every one percent that you have as a profit level is a percent that you're not spending on the students and, you know, the philosophical understandings or underpinnings of that. Um, but it's just something that I think is, you know, fascinates me as to why that model has prospered in other areas, but not here. Uh, very interesting thing to explore. And I think mm. it would be a, uh, something worth exploring. Um, I, I know for me, I've actually, I've worked in one of those for-profit um, schools before and philosophically, very interesting, mm-hmm. very different way of thinking, um, particularly of what's valuable, uh, what's worth spending money on, what's worth not spending money on, and then knowing where the money was going if it wasn't being spent mm-hmm. uh, into someone's pocket that then ended up in a really nice car in the car park. Um, so that, that's a really interesting notion. Yeah, that's right. But, but does it mean um, that you cannot have great values? Does it mean that you can't have uh, great, great outcomes for kids? Does it mean that you can't... Um, you know, have a greater sense of social responsibility and like. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think we can. I think we can explore that one. Yeah, and so uh, you know, I think that would just be fascinating. I guess that kind of uh, let's kind of wrap up that kind of area of the chat today, Matt. And uh, maybe we might just. Uh, I'm, I'm mindful of time um, that we kind of maybe move on to a little bit of a discussion around. Um, I think you had a kind of an observation of the week. Yeah, look, my observation of the week's an interesting one, and I guess it's it's closely tied to the COVID-19 piece yep. um, and very much tied to some of the work that I'm doing with leaders, but also staff, um, you know, coming out of remote online learning and, and moving back into some level of normality, um, there is some residual around stress and anxiety and fatigue, um, and, you know, we've, we've had these massive adrenaline highs and we've had teachers working harder than ever before, and it's all just slightly sliding and um, different people cope in different ways. Um, and one of the things um, that I've observed, um, particularly this, this week, is people missing their families. Um, and, you know, we've just, we've just gone through, you know, Mother's Day and some families not being able to connect with their mums and the importance of connection, the importance of um, physical touch, the importance um, of... of sharing what one's experience and for many people they haven't been able to do that and what's the effect of that the effect of higher levels of cortisol higher levels um you know stress and that sort of what that causes and anxiety 
um, but also lower levels of dopamine, those things that, that make us feel good, lower levels um, of serotonin that helps us feel happy and, and get, a, get about the, the, the place. Um, and so for me, I've been really acutely aware with the people I've been working with, um, there's been a hole there. There have been things that have been missing. Um, and how do we help guide people through that time? So it is about good nutrition, getting sleep, um, you know, taking your pet for a walk and connecting, getting on the phone, making sure you've, you're having those Zoom parties uh, and the like, um, because I've started to see that, that residual effect of, of what isolation has done. But more importantly, the disconnect with, um, um, you know, touch, um, hugs and, and the like. Um, so it might sound a really weird thing to say today, um, but as a leader, I've been really acutely aware and that's been coming through the conversations I've been having with staff. Um, they, they just miss feeling connected both physically, uh, emotionally um, and relationally. Yeah, it's certainly been a, a pretty odd time. Um, you know, I guess to add to that, I think that throughout my, my life experience, I often find that, you know, like in an experience like we just had and you work super hard up to a really high crescendo, love that like it, I really enjoy that aspect of this is like crazy times uh, and working really hard to get to that level but I do often find even myself that you come off the other side and I get into this plateau and it takes me sometimes a week two three to kind of go okay I'm back on the horse I'm ready to roll let's yep. get to it but I do feel like that I've experienced that gap for sure of you know just a plateau of yep. like you know just not getting after things that yep you know, that you would normally be getting after pretty regularly or at a higher level than you normally are. Yeah, there's a grind. Yeah. There's a grind. And it takes a while to push the push the lever to get it back, get your cogs back. Absolutely. Uh, to working at a higher level. The other thing, just interesting thing I had on that is students coming back to schools and, you know, the overwhelming kind of feeling of missing your mates. And I guess where a school has a responsibility for, to facilitate that, have we facilitated that? You know, have we facilitated the space for kids to just come back and reconnect in a in a physical presence like world, um, if that makes sense, without going too hard on? Okay, we've been gone for six weeks. We've got five assessments next week. We're straight back into it. You know, like I'm not saying we've done it well or that we haven't done it well. I think it's just an interesting observation around. You know, are we being mindful of those yeah. sorts of things? Yeah, and I think it's interesting. We've we've certainly been thinking about it, and um, certainly the discussions I've had um, with with staff is go slow, mm. be flexible, mm. um, be agile. Um, we don't have to worry about the five assessments this week. Yeah, um, and go slow. Um, and uh, you know, we 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 had a bit of an altered timetable in our first week to provide a bit of space. Because kids need to learn to code switch again, and as yeah. do our teachers, yeah. um, because it's taking us all time to yeah. wind up again. Yeah. Um, but when's the sweet spot? When when do we say, okay, things are back to normal, things yeah. are operation, we've provided that space. And I don't know if we'll ever get that right, but being aware of it and maintaining that discussion is, is a good place to start. Yeah, and I think, well, let's be honest, right now, who knows what's going to happen in the next month. Right. <laughs> all right. I think uh, you got a quick quote for us, Matt. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. Um, you know, this has been going around, obviously, it's a bit of a cliche, um, but never let a good crisis go to waste, uh, Winston Churchill. So never let uh, this moment go by without reconsidering the things that are, uh, are value, those things that are important, the things that are less important, the things that we can give away um, and, uh, and ensure that um, also we're looking after people. Yeah, I, 
you know, I think for me that it reads into the, you know, find the opportunity, you know, like where's the opportunity for you to develop or grow out of a scenario like this. Sometimes it's challenging to find the mental space to think about that in the <laughs> time. But, uh, and Luke, what's your quote of the week? Uh, I had a, I had one I saw this week, which I really like, and I've, you know, it's an oldie, but be the change you wish to see in the world. Mahatma Gandhi, I think, is uh, responsible for that one, but, you know, resonates with me on a, on a change kind of basis, and the world is changing a lot right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but be the type of person uh, that you want to be. Great. Excellent. All right, that brings to an end our show for today. I hope you've enjoyed our little chat on our learning lists. I suggest you go and have a have a crack yourselves Absolutely. out there. Uh, share with us uh, what, you, uh, what you've got on your learning list and feel free to critique ours. Remember, if you haven't already, subscribe to the show and please don't forget to share the love and tell, tell your colleagues that you listen to uh, Ed Leaders. You can also sign up to our weekly newsletter by heading over to edleaders.com.au where each week we try and post an interesting article or two and we've talked today about how hard that can be sometimes. Yeah. Thanks again for listening and we'll catch you next week. Go well.